Oh, wait, that's not the right music. September of this year, on the Tux Radar podcast, which was the corresponding podcast to the Linux Format magazine, a few of the hosts announced at the end of the show their departure from Linux Format. This was sadly the end of the Tux Radar podcast as well. However, much to my relief, a new podcast and crowdfunding campaign was launched. The campaign, which you can contribute to through Indiegogo, is for a new magazine called Linux Voice, and the new podcast, which is currently underway, you can find at linuxvoice.com. And tonight, I have with me one of the founders and contributors of Linux Voice, Ben Everod. Ben, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming. So, if you don't mind, can you give us a little bit of background as to um, what you did at Linux Format? Sure. Um, When I first started, I was the digital media editor, which is a fancy way of saying I created the DVD that came on the front of the magazine each month. Um, But then I became the technical editor, which um, meant that somebody else did the DVD and I did more of the writing and just sort of reading through everything to make sure it was all technically okay. Ah, very good. And so what is your role within Linux Voice when you start to move over to that? Um, Somebody pronounce the same? Yeah, pretty much. We'll have more sort of flexible roles. Uh, initially, we'll probably have to do a lot of writing uh, ourselves. So it'll be mostly doing that and working with the other guys. Obviously, it'll be sort of chief cook and bottle washer. Um, everything needs to be done. Um, one of us will have to do. All right, all right. So as far as Linux Voice goes, the actual magazine, can you kind of uh, describe to us what the difference is between Linux Voice and the other Linux magazines that might be on the market today? Sure. Uh, Linux Voice, if you've read Linux format before, the same sort of structure will carry through to Linux Voice. So it'll be a mix of tutorials, um, features, interviews, and some news. Uh, and all of stuff that we think will be interesting to most uh, average Linux users. Yeah, um, yeah. The biggest difference, really, between us and most of the other Linux magazines is we're trying to get the community involved and to support them as well. So it will not only be written by uh, Linux users for Linux users, that will be the only people that matter. We won't have uh, management and uh, shareholders or whatever trying to dictate anything. It will be purely down to us and the readers what goes into it. All right. All right. So as far as the giving back part to the community... Um, of course, that's a big thing with Linux users. They love giving back to the community and stuff. And so in that process, is it, how, how are you going to determine where that money goes back to? There's going to be a few ways we're going to give back. Um, and, you know, most publicly, we've pledged to give 50% of our profits uh, to free software causes, um, whatever they may be, whether they're uh, you know, uh, software projects that need uh, money for hosting or whatever, whether it's uh, bug bounties, we'll let the readers decide that. Um, and the second thing is, 
is we'll be making all of our content available uh, under a Creative Commons license nine months after it's published. So that work will be there for other people to take, uh, to build upon and to use however they like. Oh, very good. So um, besides you, and I think there's Andrew Gregory and Mike Saunders as well, uh, is there anybody else that's actually going to be on the magazine so far? Yeah, it's me, Mike, and Andrew at the moment. Um, some listeners may know Graham Morrison also left at the same time. Uh, right. He's he's bound by a no-compete clause at the moment, so he can't join us. Um, that will be running out uh, later on in December, and we're hoping he'll decide to join us then. Uh-huh. Uh, there's certainly the offer there for him, but um, he can't take it at the moment. Uh, that'd be great. That would be great. So I know that, I mean, starting up a new project like this, and a, a crowdfunding um, project and, you know, just going through the whole thing of just picking up and just dropping your job and starting a project like this has had to be um, kind of nerve wracking. So what, what kind of challenges besides the initial impact of it all that you find starting a project? Um, it's a good question. Um, I guess the biggest one to- Personally, it's been it's incredibly stressful to do a crowdfunding <laughs> campaign. I can Especially, imagine. Yeah, the first week particularly, we're all just glued to our computers, pressing F five, just to, <laughs> seeing how it came. You know, if there was a if there was an hour gap between funders, we'd be sweating, and uh, we've got an IRC channel, and we'd be talking, "What's going on? What's going on?" And uh, it'd be really easy to underestimate how how difficult that was for us. Um, we're past the worst of it now and we're sort of relaxed a little bit. Um, the other challenges, we're quite a dispersed team, um, both in the UK and Mike's in Austria. So there's been the sort of communication and logistical challenges there, but nothing too serious. Right. Um, other than that, everything's gone um, worryingly straightforwardly, to be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, think, I think we're still waiting to find out the, the biggest challenges, but I'm sure we're up to them. Right. Um, the content that will be free after a maximum of nine months. Is there going to be a digital subscription as well as a paper subscription? Yeah, yeah. You can get digital subscriptions on the Indiegogo site um, as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, whichever you prefer. All right. So, And that's going to be straight through the Linux Voice website as far as... Yeah, right now it's through the Indiegogo site, but um, is there going to be any... Uh, like Google Play or um, any other type of format that way as far as submitting the, getting the subscriptions? Or is it just going to be like a PDF download? Um, To start with, it will be a PDF download from uh, our website. We will be looking into other formats. I know people have been asking for EPUB and Mobi, and I don't think we'll have too many issues getting those out. Right, right. In the longer term, uh, we do want to get into iTunes and Google Play, um, but they won't even talk to us until we've got a magazine on the shelf. Yeah. So um, I don't think it'll be a problem, um, but it'll be there might be a slightly delay in getting onto those places. So you're a pretty busy guy. Uh, besides doing the the podcast for Linux Voice, as well as uh, working on getting the magazine up and running, you also wrote a a book, um, Learning Python with Raspberry Pi. Can you? Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I can. Uh, Actually, I just sent in the manuscript yesterday. So uh, 
even my editor doesn't know I've finished yet because she doesn't check her emails over the weekend. Um, but yeah, it's it's just completed. Oh. It's um, broadly speaking, it's an introduction into everything you can do with the Raspberry Pi using Python. So it's not a traditional learned program using Python book that's just sort of thrown on the Raspberry Pi as a buzzword. It's very much about the sort of unique features of the Raspberry Pi. So we look at things like using the Raspberry Pi camera module, using the GPIOs, and sort of general things we think will be interesting to Raspberry Pi users. Say there's sections on games, on using uh, OpenGL ES, and that sort of thing. It's a very wide-ranging book. Um, covering, Like I say, it's covering almost everything you can do with the Raspberry Pi and Python. Um Almost everything. Okay. So is there a specific um, place that you're aiming the book at? I mean, is, there a, is the book aimed at a certain group of people or is it just a, anybody that's interested type of thing? Um, I think I've always had in my mind the average reader is, reader is the sort of person who's interested in computers, doesn't have a, like a background in programming, but they brought the Raspberry Pi because they think it's a cool project and they like the ideas. And they're sort of stuck for what to do with it. They got they like the idea, but they don't know exactly how to use it. Um, and this sort of takes you by the hand. It doesn't uh, require any programming knowledge to start with, although a little would probably be helpful. Uh, you'd, yeah, you'd certainly be able to uh, follow the book if you hadn't programmed before. Oh, well, that's good. Um, yeah, other than that, anyone with a Raspberry Pi, I guess. All right, right. So you've done a lot of work with the Raspberry Pi, uh, yeah. obviously. So what do you, what do you find that's uh, so appealing about the Raspberry Pi? It's the form factor, I think, for me. I, mean, I hear a lot of people talk about it and, you know, it's, and almost describe it just like it's a regular computer but cheaper, but it's not. It's, for me, the sort of this power of it is the, the shape, the low power requirements, the access to things like the GPIO, so you can use it in a much wider range that you could a regular computer. You can embed it in stuff, whether that's the back of your TV as a media player, whether that's in the middle of a robot, um, you know, buzzing around the place. Um, and the fact that they're cheap enough just to mess around with is quite important. I mean, when you're sort of wiring up the back GPIOs off the back, I've done that with regular computers, and there's always this slight thing, oh, you know, if I touch the wrong thing, I could trash my computer. Hmm. With the Raspberry Pi, well, you know, it's 30 quid. I'll get over it, I'll buy a new one. Right. <laughs> um, so- and it, it is that, and the low power as well, which means you can just power it off a couple of batteries or a solar panel or whatever. Um, there's so many applications where that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I can imagine. So is there a particular reason why you chose uh, Python to learn to you know, learn Python with Raspberry Pi as opposed to a different language? To be perfectly honest, the decision was made before I got on board. I oh. got asked, <laughs> yeah, I got asked by the publishers if I wanted to write this book. I didn't decide on the book. Um, however, having said that, Python probably would have been my choice anyway, um, purely because it's it's a nice medium of a, it's a powerful language. You can get you can do so much with it with you know with all the modules and everything, but at the same time, it's an easy language to to learn and to pick up. Um, and yeah, you could have done it in plenty of other languages, um, but Python just it's hard to say exactly why it just feels about right for a new uh, programmer on the raspberry pi good all right so 
in talking about just Linux in general, how long have you been using Linux itself? Um, it's quite an easy question to answer. Actually, I started because uh, we got uh, just before I went to uni. We got um, a sort of letter through telling us how to prepare for the course, and one of them was a suggestion uh, that we started using Linux, or we got just got familiar with it, and uh, that would have been June two thousand. Uh, so I can give you the month, and for that. <laughs> And yeah, I was taking a computer and it needed everything reinstalling. So I thought, well, might as well just throw Linux on it rather than Windows, get familiar with it. And I've been using it as my main desktop ever since. Wow. So is that what kind of brought you to open source and Linux is that you just were handed something and said, go for it? Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd heard of open source before, but I'd never really had much to do with it. And I do remember a couple of years before I got a Slackware uh, CD. I think it came on the front of a magazine or something, but I I never even got it to boot. To be honest, I spent about a day. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was I, I don't know why it just sort of struck me as a good idea at the time, and then I yeah, started using Linux then. All right. So, what do you find that uh, probably the most appealing aspect of Linux and open source software itself? I think I'm a born tinkerer. Um, I like sort of poking about inside of things, seeing how they work and um, and sort of making modifications, see what happens. And I think even if you're not a kernel programmer, the fact that the you know everything's open from the kernel up is it just makes me feel better using it. Um, and the fact that you know it's all broken up so you've got different you know yeah you've got X windows and you can use it or not, you've got different window managers. That just all appeals to the tinkerer in me. Right. I could, I'm right there with you on that one. So, but, uh, so is there something about Linux itself, uh, the whole, everything that encompasses it that you feel probably needs a little bit more polished or more concentrated on? Um, there's a lot of things that certainly could be polished and, uh, tidied up. Um, but I think if it was all fixed, it wouldn't, wouldn't be Linux. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, there's certain things that are tidy. I mean, either Chrome OS as Android, which take Linux as the base and um, and tidy them up in a way that's uh, right for a certain class of users. But the fact that it is all sort of cobbled together, for want of a better word, is part of what what makes Linux Linux. It, if it was perfect, it would attract a different class of people and the sort of tinkerers like myself would probably move on to something else. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So is there something in that's happening right now within Linux and, is, and maybe even open source software or, uh, you know, in floss or anything like that, that has, that you find real exciting and something that's happening right now? Um, I mean, for Linux in general, I think the most exciting thing is, uh, what Valve are doing with Steam. I and mean, I know it's not open source, but I think it will, I think it will be a massive, massive uh, impact on the desktop well, and the general state of the software in general. But personally, I'm not actually a gamer, so it doesn't really affect me. It's something I'm sitting back and watching. Right. Um, the things that have really excited me recently, even though, well, they're not necessarily that new, is uh, the more hackable hardware, the open hardware, things like the Arduino. I only got into the Arduino this year, really. And I'm loving it. It's so, you know, just playing about with hardware and, well, yeah, and uh, building up the little circuits. And the same with the GPIOs and the Raspberry Pi. 
and it's that uh, I think the cool word for it is physical computing ah. um, but that's what I'm uh, I'm enjoying at the moment yeah sounds I really need to uh, learn more about the Raspberry Pi and Arduino really get into that a little bit more I think it'd be a whole lot of whole lot of fun I could see myself spending a lot of hours doing that but, uh, so during your employment of at Linux format and writing for them, what was it uh, that was probably the most exciting thing that you got to write about? Uh, that's quite a good question. I think ooh, uh, the thing that I think that I enjoyed the most was uh, the hacking, where some people think we should call it cracking, but sort of malicious, well, not necessarily malicious, breaking into computing and sort of attacking servers. And we did... Um, uh, we did some articles on that, um, sort of going through things like Metasploit, and, you know, fairly straightforward stuff, but probing uh, computers for weaknesses and looking at how to exploit those. And uh, it was quite good fun just to set up a little test lab and uh, see what we could do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's, uh, that does sound like fun. So going from here into the future, where would you like to see open source go? What kind of ventures? Um, ooh, I think uh, there's a few sort of big things. For me, open standards are almost as important and possibly more important than open software. And I'd really like to see open standards on things like um, uh, office software uh, become much, much more prevalent. Um, and if that means people using Microsoft Office but saving it in a format um, that's compatible or completely compatible with LibreOffice, then that's fine. Um, provided that they use that open standard as the uh, format, mm. uh, particularly in public institutions where it's it's our money that's uh, being paid to lock it away in proprietary formats. That really annoys me. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I mean, just greater level of uh, adoption, really. I mean, the open source, uh, so Linux desktop is really my sort of area. That's what I enjoy using. Um, and I'd I'd love to see that become more popular. Um, hopefully, the Steambox will uh, or SteamOS will help us get there. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the same boat that you are. I'm not a gamer, but I think that uh, having Steam come along is going to be a really good benefit. Uh, just to get some more people that's interested in the the programming and the supporting of Linux and that kind of format. Yeah, and just to have Valve behind it. I mean, there. Are, I mean, obviously, there's companies like IBM and Google already behind it, but it's just another massive company um, that's sort of backing Linux. It just sort of it makes me think that this is definitely it's not going to stop. It's the ball just sort of keeps picking up speed and rolling faster and faster. Yeah, I, I agree. So, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about uh, the magazine, the campaign, podcast, your book? Well, the magazine's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. Check <laughs> check out linuxvoice.com or and there's links there to the Indiegogo campaign. Um, we really need all the support we can get because um, if we don't reach the goal, uh, we won't make the magazine. It's as simple as that. This isn't you know, plan A with uh, plan B and plan C. This is just the only plan. Right. Um, wow. And we'd really want, because we think the community uh, would really benefit from having this sort of um, the magazine to support it the community supports the magazine the magazine supports the community it's sort of a natural reinforcing each other 
and we think it's going to be great. Um, the book uh, should be out February, hopefully February. It might not be out till March. Um, and if you're interested in the Raspberry Pi and Python, please check it out. All right. So where can we find the book? Where can we order the book from? At the moment, it's available from pre-order on Amazon. Um, it's being published by Wiley. Um, so they should have it in all good bookshops. Very good. Very good. So what we need to do is go over to linuxvoice.com and click on the big button that says support our Indiegogo campaign. Chip in some bucks and get the get the goal reached. Right now we got 22 days left at the time of this recording. And um, you're making a good progress, but uh, there's still still a little bit of area there that we need to fill up. So hopefully some of the listeners will jump on over and uh, make a nice contribution to help the cause. Hopefully, and, yeah. Yeah. Ben, I greatly appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your day to stop by and talk, and um, we'd love to have you. Ah, thanks for having me here. It's been good fun. Yeah. You have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. At time of recording in this show on December 1st, there were 22 days left of the Linux Voice uh, crowdfunding campaign. And by the time that it does go public, there will probably only be maybe 10 to 11 days left of their campaign. So if you would, please go over to their website, linksvoice.com, click on the support our Indiegogo campaign, or you can go to indiegogo.com slash projects slash Linux dash voice. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.